Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 14. We're going to go there in a few moments, and I want to continue on our series called Battleground. This is the third uh, part uh, of the series, and, uh, and today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, character. Uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, of course, not as a parent, but as a parent watching another parent who's trying to train their kids in making the right decisions can often be fun. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you don't find it funny when you're in the midst of it, but you find it when, uh, funny when other parents are going through it, right? You know, in that moment, you, especially with little kids, right? Like, you know that moment with little kids where, you know, they're, they're at that place of decision, and they've got to choose right or wrong, and, you, and you're hoping that they choose right, and they have this look in their eye that they're really tempted to do the wrong thing and take the consequences? How many parents know what I'm talking about, Right? Right? There's just this look inside of their eye. You know, yesterday we were uh, out in uh, Buffalo, Core and I were laughing because we were in the line. And I actually heard this a little earlier on uh, while we were going through uh, Burlington Coat Factory. And I heard a little guy walk up and give his dad a soccer ball. And the little guy says, hey, dad, mom said to buy this for me. And, and dad was like, what? No, she didn't. He's like, no, no, that's what she said. She said, here, like, take this ball and buy it for me. And so anyways, about, whatever, 20 minutes later, we're in the lineup getting ready to leave, and the kid and dad is in front of us, and dad's on the phone, because dad had a suspicion that this is not what mom said, right? And uh, I bet you that little guy was like sweating like crazy, right? And he's just kind of looking, and all of a sudden dad gets off the phone, and he goes, I knew it. I knew it. she didn't say that you should have the soccer ball, and he took it out of the cart, and he threw it down on the floor, and, but come on, dad, you know, and. And every parent knows that feeling of, of how important it is uh, when they're younger to really instill making good choices, living right. It's really about character forming. And, and our hope is, is that both in life and in faith, that this character forming that's happening at a young age is going to produce someone who lives a life that's honorable, that's committed to their communities, that's active in, their, in serving whatever way that they can. And so that's our goal. And as much as that's a major concern for us as parents throughout the years uh, as, our, as we're raising our kids, you know that that concern is God's as well. That it is the passion of God that you and I have good character. In fact, let me challenge you on this today. God's not looking for you and I to have good character. He's looking for you and I to have godly character. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because that's really, you know, when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, and I can give you a number of reasons why God wants us to have godly character, but Paul reveals that godly character is actually one of the key pieces of armor that God has given you and I so that it can protect us from losing ground so that we're able to stand our ground. And that's been our theme for this series in the summer, that, that each and every one of us has gained ground spiritually. That when you look back at your life before you came to Christ, you can look back and see the transformation. That's what you and I should be able to see. That's the marker. And we should be able to see change. And the change should be that we look like Jesus more and more. And, and, and so the enemy wants to take that ground. He wants to bury you because he wants to get back at God. He wants to destroy that everything that God wants to do. He just wants to destroy it. 
And, God, and so Paul just addresses, you know, the, the church in Ephesus who, again, just a little bit of reminder, if you haven't had a chance to catch up on the podcast with this series or you weren't here the last couple of weeks, you know, this idea that Ephesus was a community that was really well-versed in the area of sorcery or witchcraft, the whole spirit realm, they, uh, they just understood it. And so Paul takes an opportunity to take what is a reality in their lives to help them understand something that is a reality, which is things of the spirit and the spirit realm, and that there is a war and there is a battle and there is an enemy that absolutely wants to take the ground that you have gained through Christ, through the cross, through the power of the spirit of God who's developing you and I to be just like Jesus. And last week, we talked about the belt of truth, the importance of truth. Well, this week, we want to talk about the importance of our character. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, just to give you a full sense of what's being said here. Paul says, listen, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And we talked about tightening the truth inside of our lives, right? But he goes on to say, but also with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You know, the breastplate was this uh, coat of armor. It was metal that, uh, that you would put over, uh, you know, uh, over a leather sleeveless jacket. Or a, a like a chain uh, a chain of mail or or metal you know or plates or whatever and it would go over top of this and and it would cover your front and it would literally go from your neck all the way down to your thighs that's how that's how big the breastplate was it covered a lot of area and it covered your back as well and it was also known as the heart protector and I thought that was really interesting because. You know, it's our character, and this is where, you know, Paul says, hey, listen, you know, put on the breastplate of righteousness, meaning put on righteousness, and, and I know someone's going, but righteousness and character, how do those two meet? How they meet is when you look at what that word actually means, that that word actually means that, that when he talks about righteousness in this context, he's talking about striving to be like Jesus and to live like Jesus in righteousness, He's talking about uprightness or the integrity of our character. And he says, in the same way that you would put on this, this breastplate that would protect you from the neck down, it would cover a lot of this area, it would cover your back. The truth is, he says, you need to place righteousness, you need to, you need to live that, you need to wear that, and it will protect you, it will keep you safe. You know, and, and, and this is where Paul starts to stress, and I want to stress today that one of the key pieces to our defense, meaning the enemy's ability to get at us, is through our character. The kind of character that I think that God is trying to establish inside of our lives, and the kind of character that God is saying, I want you to find the courage to express that character in a world that you live in, which by the way, I don't know about you, but I find that the world that we live in, our, our gray areas seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the black and white areas get smaller and smaller and smaller. Where it seems like every day you can open up, you know, your phone and check out the news or Twitter feed or Facebook or, you know, maybe you're still into reading the, you know, good old-fashioned newspaper. And on the front page, there always seems to be something in the way of a negative, 
you know, um, you know, in the way of like some kind of scandal. That's the world that we live in, and that much more is the reason why the church needs to rise up because the enemy is taking advantage of those opportunities to, to absolutely bring evil and brokenness. He just wants to continue to see that because that hurts the heart of God. And your character, the condition of your character, the quality of your character, my character, is absolutely key to standing our grounds. Because when we live godly character, we leave absolutely no room for the enemy to bring accusation. We leave no room for the enemy to get at you. Remember what I said that, uh, you know, the, the breastplate of righteousness was also known as the heart's protector. And, and I know, and I, maybe you've experienced this, I know in the moments that I've, I've revealed or shown weak character or the moments that, man, the enemy likes to bring that shame in. Boy, does the enemy like to come along and, and, and you know, just put the weight of, of guilt and that sense of condemnation. And, and, man, I don't know if you've ever felt major regret after making a decision that you know you shouldn't have made. Am I the only one in this room that feels that way? Because I've had those moments, man, where, in fact, I remember years ago, I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor, and I had this, this, this student who, man, had all of the most incredible Giftings. He had the raw talent to be a great youth pastor. And one of my greatest passions in ministry has always been to equip and release students, you know, in their calling. And especially, you know, because I'm in that, ro- you know, in that world where I'm, I'm in ministry full time, it's nothing to see students. So that's why for me it's, it's so exciting to watch, you know, Pastor Jonathan and Rebecca pouring into students because I know that, you know, we took the time when he was a teenager to pour into his life, and we've had a part to play in the development of Jonathan, who now is developing students here at Community Church and, and, has, and has experienced, uh, you know, pouring into kids in, 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 you know, Bradford. And I remember seeing this kid, man, he had all of the, he just had the, you know, he had the energy, you know, he had the, the wits, the humor, you know, and, and just, man, there was just something, the charisma about him. The problem is, is that he had a lot of charisma, but he had really poor character. And I knew it. And I tried to work through it a little bit here and there, and, and, and it was a season in my ministry, and I won't go into detail for sake of time today, but there was a season in my ministry where I was spiritually, emotionally, physically exhausted. And in the back of my mind, I knew that I needed to deal with the character issues, but I tried to justify why I didn't do it. Because I was tired, I was exhausted. I also didn't want to lose another great leader in my mind, realizing he really wasn't that great. And so I let it go on, and I thought, oh, you know what, it'll work out. Like, he's just growing. Like, you, like that's the deal when you're working with students. You got to, you know, you, you, you go through the ups and downs. There are moments, man, where they're just, they shine so bright, and then there are days where you just want to hide them in a closet because, you know, you just, you don't want anybody to see what's going on, you know, like whatever. And, and that's just, that's just, that's youth ministry. Every parent knows what I'm talking about. You know, as a youth pastor, that's what you experience. And some people just, just giving the Holy Spirit, giving them time, just letting them do it. And eventually, you know, you've seen some students really take on God and they just really begin to change and the, the transformation happens. But this wasn't happening with him. 
And I kept justifying why I wasn't going to deal with it. So finally one day, and I knew it was out of control. One of my leaders came to me and, and she said, Craig, I, I am so shocked right now at you. And she goes, you know, I love you and I love serving with you and Cora. We love being a part of this. But she goes, I got to tell you, man, you need to address this character issue. It's going to get worse. And I'm like, and I, and I went back to the same excuses. Well, he's just a student. He'll get there. And, you know, we're working through it. And I'm justifying my lack of addressing what I know is poor character. It's not even good, not even close to good, let alone being close to godly. Right? And she looked at me. She goes, you know what? I, I just, I can't, I don't think I can continue as a leader under your leadership right now. Well, my heart just sunk. And at the same time, something inside of me got really angry because I'm like, well, and again, I'm not explaining to her what's going on, but I know why I'm exhausted and I don't want to deal with this and I don't want to lose this leader and all this kind of stuff and, and, and all this stuff's going on. But I'm not saying to her, so I'm starting to justify. Now I'm starting to get angry. And so I said, fine, if you don't want to be a youth leader, I totally understand and respect it. And boom, and she, she said, okay. And, and she left and she was so disappointed at my response. And, and so a couple days later, I was uh, visiting a friend of mine some of you might know him. He was our district youth pastor for many years here, Mark Caldwell. And, and so Mark and I had a meeting with Mark and a few other guys. And privately, I just started to tell Mark what was going on in my situation. And I was exhausted. And then this story came out. And Mark looked at me. How many, how many are so grateful for friends that are willing to be honest with you? Right? To keep you in check a little bit, the whole accountability thing. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Craig... He goes, I know that deep down you know the right thing to do. The problem is you're too exhausted to see it. And the only way this is going to change is if you just suck it up, buttercup kind of a thing, and go deal with it. I didn't like that answer. I don't always like accountability answers. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, yeah. Well, you don't have to get that pumped about it, man. Like, you know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on inside your life that, you know. And, then he's, and he's looking at his wife right now, so, you know. You know, I, I drove back to, you know, home that night, and I first thing I did was I... Um, I went and found the student, and we had a long conversation. And I, because of the response and the unwillingness to correct uh, behavior, I had to let him go. And the moment I did it, as much as it broke my heart, something clicked inside of me and said, you did the right thing. And then I made an appointment to meet with the leader, and I said, listen, I'm not meeting with you because I want to get you back, even though I'd love for that to be the case. I just want to make this right. And I'll tell you, I, I remember the feelings that I had on the way back. 
when I realized that I, my character had a flaw, that, that I had a weak moment where I, didn't, I wasn't living like Jesus, I wasn't expressing myself like Jesus, I wasn't living according to the standard that, that God, listen, can I just tell you, listen, God understands our imperfections, he understands that it's a journey, but mark my words, he will never back down on his standard, ever. He does, listen, we can justify it, we can use all the reasons, and we can give all of the excuses, and God, don't you understand that this is the reason why I'm this way, and this is the reason why I do this this way, and, you know, God, don't you understand that, like, in my case, God, I was just exhausted, and, you know, can you just kind of let it go, and God's like, listen, I can forgive you, that's not a problem, I'll extend grace, I'll even give you the strength, but the one thing that I will not do is I will not back down on the character that I'm forming inside of your life, because it's way too important. Because if your character is not like my character, and again, he understands the progression. He understands there are going to be weak moments, but he's trying to eliminate those weak moments because he knows how crafty the enemy is. He is the accuser, and he's just waiting for you and I to let our guard down, and then he swoops in, and he begins to make you feel like you're worthless. And I remember driving home going, man, I might as well quit ministry now. If I can't do this with a, a 16-year-old student, 17-year-old student, how am I supposed to do this with anybody else? And, and, and I was embarrassed. Man, oh, did I feel so embarrassed. Embarrassed that, you know, I have this reputation of being a veteran youth pastor, and this is like a no-brainer, and I'm not even doing the basics. I mean, every, every negative emotion that I can feel was just flooding my heart. But then that's when God kind of kicks in. See, that's where God kind of steps in and he begins to, you know, to, to, to deal with some stuff. And, you know, I was going to use this passage of scripture, but I'm, I'm going to use it now. You know, when, when, when Paul, who deals with this again in Romans, when he talks about, you know, uh, sin inside of our lives and, 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 you know, what it has the potential to do. And I'll get back to this in a second. But, but listen to Romans chapter 7, verse 18 to 20. It's up on the slide. It says this, For that I know the good uh, itself does not dwell in me. This is Paul. Like Paul's going, listen, I get it. I have, I have some imperfections. There's some sin that's still left in my life, and, and God is working through these things. And he, he's just being honest. He goes, man, my sinful nature is there. For I have the desire to do what is good. I want to do the right thing. But I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep doing. I know I shouldn't be doing it, but man, for some reason, I keep, I keep doing this. I keep, I, I, I keep messing up. I keep you know, diving into, or as one scholar says, listen, you, you don't want to let or harbor in any way, shape, or form, or nurture any known sin in your life, because eventually it will begin to fester and grow and take control. And Paul being honest with his readers in the book of Romans, and he's like, listen to me, hear my heart. Guys, I wrestle with it too. I know I shouldn't do this, but I keep doing it. And if you stop there, you'd look at Paul going, well, that was helpful. Thanks, bro. Appreciate the heads up. We already know that. But he goes on, I believe in verse 21, where he says, but man, 
I am so grateful that Jesus has delivered me. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 to 10 says this, but he, same thing. Here's Paul again. Man, Paul was just real honest. This is what's going on inside my life. He, same conversation. He said, listen, but the Lord, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Because that's the moment where God steps in. And I'll tell you, all of those feelings, all of that weight, what could have been used by the enemy to absolutely bury me could have absolutely changed the, the direction of my ministry. I could have succumbed to that. I could have been bothered by that. I could have said, forget it. If I can't do that, then there's no point. Or continue on in ministry and just kind of maintain and not worry about it and live a decent life and it's all good. But the moment that the godly character that was inside of me began to express courage is the moment that God stepped in because I took a step of faith and God says, I'm going to honor you. And I met with that leader and I just said, listen, I'm not here to get you to come back because what I did was wrong. What a humbling moment. I just want to apologize for not being the leader that I needed to be. And she looked across the table. She was in her early 20s, mid-20s. She goes, Craig, I have never, ever had a pastor take the time to sit down with me. And she had some things happen in her life when she was late high school, early 20s, now she's in her mid-20s. God's totally restored and redeemed her life. But there was some church leadership that didn't do so well by her. And she said, you know, I've never had a leader sit across the table and actually acknowledge that they did wrong. And for that reason and that reason alone, I want back in. Because even though you made a mistake, you had the courage to do the right thing. You know, I never forget that. And I'm sure you've had moments like that too. And the moment that that happened, all of a sudden, that, that accusation of the enemy started to, you know, depart my headspace out of my heart, that, that sense of guilt. And, and this is what I'm saying. Now I've, I've, I've closed the gap. I've put on righteousness. And now I've his ability to get to my heart. And you understand that whatever breaks your heart is breaking the heart of God. Right? When you and I, when we choose not to walk in righteousness or godly character, you know, the, the truth is, is that, that it breaks the heart of God because it mars the image of God. It mars the work that is being done inside your life. It can discredit the gospel, that's for sure. It can break some relationships, and sometimes that relationship, those relationships can't necessarily be repaired, and not because God doesn't want to repair them, and not because you don't want to repair them, but the person that's been hurt and the person that's walked through brokenness may not necessarily feel 
feel like restoring that thing with you. And it breaks the heart of God because he knows the damage. And so just that's why Paul's like, listen, put on this to protect yourself so that the enemy can't get to your heart by putting seeds of, of you know, a sense of shame, guilt, regret, failure, worthlessness, all of those things that God says, I don't want you to feel because that's the opposite. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I gave my life so that you would know the value that I put on yours. He he didn't give his life. He wants to take your life. I've given my son because you're so valuable to me. And he's a liar and he's a manipulator and he's a deceiver. These are his names. He lives up to his reputation. Then may you learn to live, see God and watch God live up to his by showing you that you are worthy. That even in those moments where you and I make, might make a mistake, God can still Restore. He can still restore. Because in the moments that we're weak, God steps in. Psalm 15. I love this passage. I'm bouncing back here. But I love this passage because it actually um, gives you a picture of what godly character should look like. But at the same time, there's a, there's a key at the very end. A promise that's at the very end. The psalmist makes this declaration in Psalm 15, verse 1. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? And he, he, he answers his own question. He knows the answer. He says, it's he who walks, whose walk story is blameless, meaning his pattern of life, his conduct is blameless. It is complete. It's sincere. Uh, there's a word that's attached to it that, that might give the wrong sense where it says that it's perfect. And I think sometimes when we talk about, you know, the character of God, the, the work that God's doing inside of our lives, we, we, we know that God is, is perfect and that God is striving to perfect things inside of us, but, but I want to challenge you on this idea because sometimes we'll see perfect and we'll go, well, it's unattainable. See, that's just God's goal, knowing that when you and I step over to the other side of eternity, we'll be made complete. But what this word really means is this idea that it, it's complete in the sense that it is absolutely free from every and any impure thing. That my life is without sin, which I'll get to in a second. He goes on to say, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, he has no slander on his tongue. Who does his neighbor no wrong, and he casts no slur on his fellow man. Who despises a vile man, but he honors those who fears the Lord. Who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Who lends his money without usury. And does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Last line. He who does these things will not be shaken. You won't be shaken because God honors you. Righteousness has got your back. But you close the gap. You lessen the opportunity of the enemy using your life to discredit God 
to damage your relationship with him, damage your relationship with others, and in doing so, discredit the power and the purity and the integrity of the gospel. So what do you do? I'll just say it this way. Um, Character forming is absolutely critical. But in order to form good character, I would say to you, make good choices. Make good investments. But like I said to you from the very beginning, if you want godly character, that means you have to make godly choices. Meaning God's standards need to be the norm of our lives and our pursuit. And that's why going back to Paul, what he wrote in Romans, he said, hey, listen, I wrestle with sin and, and, and what I don't want to do, I end up doing and what I, what I know I should do, I don't do. And, you know, he's kind of back and forth. And the interesting thing is, is that he made it very clear and it's something that I want to leave you with today. I don't know why I felt uh, stirred this week to put this or really emphasize this. In fact, the Thursday night crowd got somewhat of a different message. And I remember even as I was preaching it, I felt like God saying, no, I need you to emphasize this. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why. I, th- I think it's just more of making it just a, a clear clarion call. Because the truth is, is that, that character is formed in the choices, whether we make right choices or wrong choices. And, and if we're going to be like Christ... And, and we're going to live like Christ in his righteousness, then, then we just need to get down to the root that actually has the greatest impact on, on your ability to make God choices, and it really goes back to sin. It goes back to the sinful nature, and listen to what Paul says before he said, I struggle with this, and thank God that he delivers me. He makes it really clear. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and on it says this that in the same way count yourselves dead to sin dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus therefore do not do not meaning the choice is mine the choice is yours do not let sin reign that word there refers to a king who has the highest influence over your life. Can I just give you a little picture going back to my story with that youth leader? And I was thinking about this yesterday. This is what I do when we're shopping and doing stuff. My mind's running about messages and then Cora will see me grab my phone and I'll be writing something. And she's like, you know, what are you writing? I'm like, I just had a thought for my message. And this is what the Lord just kind of put on my heart. I just felt like God saying, you realize that in that moment, that story, that situation, Yeah, you were exhausted, but you know what was really at the heart of that? You coveted a great young leader more than you coveted the character of God. Wow. I wanted something more than the desires of God. And because of that, because I did this, I let that moment, that 
that wanting of what I maybe didn't have or seeing the potential what I could have and, you know, being able to say, you know, this really goes back to the root. I'm just being transparent with you right now. You know, God was just doing some work inside my heart and, and he's like, you know, going back, like you really loved this idea that you were producing leaders and there's nothing wrong with that. But you were willing to let a leader slide And you know that wasn't my desires. Psalm 15, who can stand in your presence, God? It's the person whose walk is blameless, the pattern of life. And the people that do this will not be shaken. And that's why Paul says, listen, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. In fact, don't even offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument, meaning don't, don't, don't yield, don't place beside your life, don't go near anything or any situation that would allow you to step into sin. And, and, and instead of just addressing it right from the get-go, I let it sit, I let it just be there, I, let it to be, I allowed it to be near me, and I tried to justify it, and, I, and, then the, and I, I dropped my righteousness, I didn't do the right thing, I wasn't upright, my character, its integrity, just for a moment, I, I was weak. And I know you might be saying, Pastor Craig, man, you're beating yourself up. It's not that. It was just the revelation and the understanding that because I allowed it to stay, it began to grow. And I began to justify its very existence. And then it began to become king. And it had too much influence over my life. And the word of God challenges us, but rather offer yourselves. Meaning, instead of offering or being near or yielding yourself to that, yield yourself. Get close to God. Offer yourselves to God uh, as, as those who have been brought, uh, brought by, from death to life. And, uh, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Meaning, take courage and actually step out and express that character by doing the right thing, regardless of the circumstance, regardless regardless of the response, regardless of what it might get you or what it might take away from you. Character says, I'll ignore that because godly character says it's more important to establish the things of God in my life and through my life than to have anything else in the world. Because he said, listen, sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are now under grace. And the thing is, is that, that's why I love that passage out of 2 Corinthians, because when I am weak, God kicks in if I choose it. And you know, there are so many, and God reminded me of this, there are so many leaders, so many people throughout the scripture that had every reason to give in, but chose to live in righteousness or chose to allow God to continue to establish character and had courage to express that character in situations that really honestly put them in some pretty tough situations. Look at Daniel, right? Is there anybody in the Bible that had more character and more integrity than Daniel? Not many, right? Other than Jesus, thank you. I appreciate that. I see that hand. 
you know? But seriously, think about it. They make this law. He's already known as this influential person and he's already defied the, you know, defied the king when it came to, you know, right the beginning of Daniel, like, you know, hey, you're going to eat all the, you know, the meat and all this kind of stuff is all good. And Daniel goes, no, 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 we'll just stick to vegetables and fruit. And, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, that, I struggle with that one. I'm like, Daniel, come on, man. Beef, bro, come on, man. You know, like. And it just seems that there was just this onslaught of attack against Daniel. And every single time, Daniel said, regardless of consequences, regardless of the response, I'm going to take the stand and I'm going to express the character of God. I'm going to do right. I'm going to, I'm going to live right and I'm going to do right. I'm going to walk right before God in the way of purity and because that really affects like our ability to make, to make choices right or wrong. Like that's... condition of our heart, the condition of our walk with Jesus right there determines whether we make decisions right or wrong. And there's this moment in Daniel's life, we all know the story really well. If you've ever gone to Sunday school, even one day you probably heard it because it's been told so many times. Daniel in the lion's den. No one can be prayed to. No one, uh, no one can be bowed down to except for the king himself. And, and, and Daniel just kept going up to his room and opened up his you know, closet and began to pray, and he did it every day, and they caught him. They knew they caught him. They created the law just to catch him, and, the, and, and, and he risked that. He risked that, knowing that if he got caught, he would find himself thrown into a lion's pit, guaranteed death. The king, the pharaoh, he was just broken. He's like, man, I can't believe that you did this thing. I have no choice. And he threw him in that pit, came back the very next morning, suspecting that he was going to see Daniel dead or probably parts of him, that kind of a thing. Like, just there's no way he survived. And to his surprise, when he opens up, here's Daniel, and all of these, these lions are like kittens, you know, lying beside him. Like, it's no big deal. Psalm 15, he who does these things will never be shaken. It can't go wrong by putting on righteousness and living it out and in your mistakes and in your failures and in your moments like mine, you repent, you do your best to keep sin in check, you remember that when I am weak, he is strong. He's got your back. He's got your back. And when you do this, you will not be shaken. And when you do this, you close the gap of the enemy, using it to take your ground because you're keeping him away from being able to say, hey, you failed, like just digging at you. So can I encourage you today? You want to keep that ground? Keep sin in check. Right? You want to you stand your ground and you want to continue to 
gain even more grounds? Live right, do right. With God's help, with God's grace, with God's mercy, with God's strength, just never give up. And you will, you, will, you will find what many found and what many of us probably in this room have found at times, that the moment that I stepped out and did that is the moment God just met me and God helped me and I'm walking. I'm not trembling, I'm walking. I'm standing my ground. Would you all stand with me today? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.